Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So it's always fun to hear something good about a guy that has just arrived on the scene for UGA. And today, an example of that, but I want to go on a little bit of a journey before we get there. Let me begin with this. I think one of the cool moments for Georgia as it started putting its 2022 class together were a couple of big bedrock pieces that kind of fell into place near the the same time. And I think one of the things that I think a lot of us have drawn the conclusion on, I've certainly talked about this a lot, is is that Georgia's actually in a really interesting place when it comes to recruiting now. That for most programs, recruiting is kind of a binary thing. It's like, hey, is this player of the athletic requirements necessary to compete at the highest level within the SEC, within major college football? That's just kind of a yes-no question. And for most programs, it's really hard to find enough yeses. This is just a matter of like basic economy. Like there is a lot of scarcity when it comes to elite athletes. There's just never going to be enough to go around. So there is a hard chase to find anyone who kind of matches the the athletic criteria necessarily, necessary, especially when it comes to competing in the SEC. So it's just kind of a yes, no question. Is this player athletic enough, fast enough, big enough to do what we need him to do? And most often the answer to that question is going to be no. So programs are desperate for elite talent. However, there is a small handful, and this is a very small handful of programs that only recruit elite talent. They only recruit uh, very big, very fast, very high-end athletes, future NFL-type talent. That's the that's that's basically like the benchmark criteria, even baseline criteria, to even get through the door. If, if if you didn't have the athletic credentials, you wouldn't even get a look from certain programs. Alabama's one of those. I'd say Ohio State's been one of those. You know, LSU's kind of been in and out of that club for the most part. Uh, but over the course of the last few years, kind of coinciding with the Kirby Smart era. Georgia has definitely been one of those programs. And when you are Georgia, having been in this group now for a while, there's an interesting evolution that I believe happens when it comes from a recruiting standpoint. Once you're only recruiting elite athletes, now you have a chance to be selective among the category of elite athletes. In other words, it's not simply about is this player athletic enough, big enough, fast enough to play at this level of the guys who are who are the ones that also have kind of the intangible characteristic that we want to bring to the table? Who are the guys that are future team captains? Who are the guys that are going to be good in the classroom? Who are the guys that are going to be good in the locker room? Who are, who are the guys that we are going to want to be around over the course of the next three to four years? Guys that we would choose to spend time with if we had that choice. Like for most programs, if you're a really good athlete, but kind of a bad dude off the field, there are most programs that just kind of have to tolerate that. You'll, you'll, you'll kind of put up with a guy being a jerk because, hey, we need what this guy does for us athletically. But in a place like Georgia, everybody's got the athletic credential. So it becomes about adding other things to go along with that. And last year's that 2022 class was coming together. Uh, there were a couple of guys that probably kind of stood to the forefront of that idea in my mind, maybe more than anybody else. I'm talking about, first of all, linebacker Jalen uh, Walker, who when he committed to Georgia and over the course of that process of coming to UGA, you were just led to believe, wow, man, this guy really not only is he a very good football player the film tells that story but this guy just seems to be really well put together on top of all that there too like it was just kind of a really cool thing to be able to see uh, of just how sharp that he was and like one of the things that he talked about was in wanting to come to UGA he liked the idea of coming to Georgia because of who else was coming to Georgia with him becoming fast friends with other members of that class including five-star safety Malachi Starks and I don't know I just kind of remember that time in which Walker was coming to Georgia and Starks were coming to Georgia as a Georgia fan not only did you feel really good about kind of who Georgia was getting from a player standpoint but who Georgia was getting in terms of what their locker room fit was going to be what their leadership potential was going to be and not only did we see this in these players these players kind of saw this in each other there as well in fact let's go back to Jalen Walker shortly after he committed to UGA talking about wanting to be at Georgia because he was going to get a chance to play with a guy like Malachi Starks I thought this was great at the time let's go back and hear Jalen Walker on that right now me and Malachi you know we hit it off you know I, you know I reached out to him you know hey what are we going to do I feel like I can't go to a university by myself to be great. I have to have the best teammates to be with me to be great. 
So, I mean, I just love that. It's, it's succinct. It's to the point. But if you want to know how much potential greatness, and you heard the word great by uh, Jalen Walker there used quite a bit in those couple of sentences. But if you want to know the potential for greatness that exists with a recruit, listen to what another recruit says about him because, man, those guys know. They spend a lot of private time together. They know the real deal here. It's one thing to kind of put on a nice front for social media and put out Instagram videos of your workouts and things like that. It's another thing to be that guy away from the cameras or away from the social media attention or away from the you know whatever you say in front of coaches because that's the right thing to say the players behind the scenes they know what's what they know who's who and Jalen Walker says when I see Malachi Starks I see the real deal that's kind of what he says there and I think stuff like that from Walker were to get people even more excited about what the safety Starks might be able to do at UGA and you know Starks in his own mind talking about his decision to come to Georgia and the reasons why that mattered to him once again, you see a lot in him that's about more than just, hey, this is a good football player. This is a guy who matches the athletic specs that a place like Georgia needs. This is also a guy that seems to bring some of that intangible stuff with him there as well. I'm going to let you hear Malachi Starks when he made that decision to come to Georgia. And I think it'll remind you of how much that win was celebrated when Georgia first got it a year or so ago. This is Malachi Starks. I didn't feel like another recruit, not saying that I did with Alabama Clemson, but Georgia made me feel like they actually wanted me, not that I was just some other five-star player who was just getting a jersey number. I and mean, that meant a lot to me. That was huge. And just to having that connection with all the coaches, because it's different when you just have one connection with one coach, but when you have connection with all the coaches, um, the whole coaching staff, it, it's, it's great. I love the line there from Stark saying, hey, Georgia made me feel like I'm not – in most programs and most players that attend most programs don't even have the opportunity to say this but hey Georgia didn't just make me feel like quote I'm another five-star player in other words I don't want to be just another five-star just another name and kind of a category that sort of loses meaning when you repeat the phrase over and over again I think that's really cool from from Starks I think it's really cool that Georgia showed him that's the way they wanted to recruit him in other words we value more about you other than the fact that maybe one day you're a future first round pick we value more about you than that Starks feeling that obviously seeing that in himself and making Georgia the obvious and irresistible choice because of that I think that's really cool and all of that is a setup for this so now that Starks is a player here at UGA and now that Georgia's getting ready to reboot what was maybe the greatest defense of all time in 2021 a lot of folks are left to wonder okay well what role do young new incoming players play in Georgia's reboot of its great defense from last season and at least one analyst seems to think that Malachi Starks might play quite a role for UGA in all of this let me show you this uh, on the screen this is a quote from RJ Young RJ Young is a analyst for Fox Sports and he's got uh his basically I, you know we're in kind of way too early top 25 seasons the originals of these mostly came out in January shortly after Georgia won the national championship there's typically a reboot around signing day and then a reboot again around spring practice RJ Young has kind of refreshed his and you can leave that on the screen I'm gonna read it RJ Young has kind of refreshed his uh preseason top 25 uh, a couple of times now he said George in the four spot in all of those instances and there was something that he said about uh, Malachi Starks in his most recent write-up that I thought was kind of worth our attention here because, oh boy, is it a certainly high praise for Starks. So this is what R.J. Young says, having Georgia preseason number four. He says, Georgia's 2021 defense was generational. Odds are it won't be again in 2022. But five-star safety Malachi Starks has a chance to become the best defensive back to leave Georgia under smart since 2018 Jim Thorpe winner DeAndre Baker. Wow, that's a lot of praise for Malachi Starks. And listen, I'm all about it. I think Starks is a great player. I'm not quite so sure that that he's obviously the best of the freshman incoming defensive backs. I think there are a lot of cornerbacks, you know, uh, Dalen Everett, whatnot. They're going to have a chance to have something to say about that. But very interesting to hear that level of praise when it comes to Malachi Starks. And interesting to think how quickly he might have a chance to kind of live into that level of praise right there that admittedly Kirby Smart would probably roll his eyes if he heard and there is a part of me that sort of think this is almost a level of overpraise like like you know to say hey this is gonna be the best defense back Kirby Smart's had like have you seen the defensive backs that Kirby Smart had like right now I would take just as good as Lewis seen you know <laughs> it's like or like eventually as good as Lewis seen like I would feel like if, if Stark is one day that you know seen maybe top 40 pick or something like that in this year's draft that would probably be pretty good for Malachi Starks we don't have to necessarily go to Thorpe award winner just yet on this best defensive back Kirby Smart has had that might be a level of uh over there on that but uh I think 
listen, I'm kind of here for it, and I'm certainly very curious to see what Starks brings to the table. As far as what he does bring to the table, Kirby did go into some detail about that going back to December. So maybe as a way of kind of getting on the other side of a pretty intense level of praise from the Fox Sports analyst, this is what Smart said about that going back to December. I think Malachi is a bright future. He's fast. Uh, number one, he's, he's very intelligent. He's high character, and, and you're going to hear me repeat that over and over because that matters way more than what reputation they're coming in with. So I, I think that's very true, and it's kind of going back to what we said a moment ago, is that, hey, it's not just the – future Jim Thorpe award-winning, future first-round pick stuff, the guy like Starks, or a lot of these other guys who signed with George in 2022. It's also the guy that brings the high character, the future team captain type thing. That's what Georgia seems to be targeting among the elite athletes it's chasing right now. Starks is an example of that. I think it's really cool to see. But can I do one more thing on this before we change the subject completely? And Michael, if you don't mind, would you mind throwing that quote back up there on the screen here for a moment from R.J. Young? Because the other thing that Young kind of brings up here, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because I've talked about it before, is it's the same thing we see everyone in the national media kind of repeat about uh, UGA every single time that, hey, why is Georgia only number four when they were number one last year? Or why is Georgia only number whatever and somebody else's preseason top 25? You know, R.J. Young in this particular quote, moving off the Starks thing for a moment, kind of zeroes in on it, at least in the mind of what a lot of the media thinks. He says Georgia's defense was generational in 2021, but it can't be that good in 2022. And like, I want to say this again, and I know sometimes you don't think I have a tendency to repeat myself, but I try to do that when I feel like it's important because leaders are repeaters. Here is the one thing you've got to keep in mind about Georgia for the upcoming season from a defensive standpoint. And you can take that down now. Thank you. Georgia does not have to be as good defensively as it was in 2021. That is not the goal. The goal is not to match some sort of historical feat. The goal is to be as good to be good as good as required here for this season that's what the goal is and it remains to be seen if Georgia's going to do that but Georgia can absolutely be as good as it needs to be this season without matching what it was in 2021 and to kind of further this point a little bit more how much worse could Georgia's defense have been last year and Georgia still be the best team in the country I mean ask yourself that question for a moment like like Georgia's overall defensive performance certainly propelled it to a national championship but could Georgia have been worse defensively and still won the national championship and you could look at most of the games that Georgia played and you see comfortable wins over and over and over again and you see the the defense playing a big role in all of that I mean really the only game here where less defense would have probably cost Georgia including the national championship by the way but the only game where less defense would have cost Georgia probably the Clemson game week one didn't score an offensive touchdown needed the defensive touchdown to win the game like that's it like when you talk about the difference in Georgia uh between what was a national championship and what would have fallen short of the national championship the defense obviously a big part of that and the one game where that really probably showed up more than anywhere else was that Clemson game week one without a generational defense you probably don't win that game but even with something less than a generational defense at least in theory you probably win the rest of them there as well so when folks have the conversation about oh there's no way the Georgia defense can be uh, as good in 2022 as it was in 2021 may be true but that's not the goal and when you think about the gap that existed between Georgia's defensive performance and how good it still could have been and still been among the national elite uh, <laughs> there is a lot of cushion there that's in place for a uh, UGA too so just kind of something to think about there nice to hear some praise from Malachi Starks interesting to hear the ways in which a guy like that along with Jalen Walker and others valuable for far more than just their athletic credentials it's their intangible credentials uh, there too they seem to bring to the table and one of the reasons why there is so much excitement to see what georgia's defense does has in, ha, have in store a year after winning a national championship my name is brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented today by breda pest management and happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video starting at 9 45 first and 15 dognation.com the dog nation app 10 a.m after that facebook youtube twitter twitch 
Radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref and as a podcast wherever you find them, including the worldfamousdognation.com. We are just so happy to have you as a part of our program and so grateful for Breda Pest Management to be a part of our program presenting it for you here today. I'm always very proud to tell stories of companies like Breda Pest Management because I like people there. Uh, I, I like what they do. We are like-minded. You know, Matt Breda, big UGA fan, big supporter of UGA. In fact, uh, that Breda Pest Management is actually the official pest control of UGA Athletics. What that means is, is they're taking care of the Equestrian Center and Foley Field and Sanford Stadium. They're protecting all of this from termites, and it's the same thing they can do for you there as well. But it's not just the bugs, although the termites are really important. It's critters there too. I mean, we're in that kind of time of year where and listen i'm not an expert on this but you know how it's like kind of warm during the day but it kind of gets cool at night that means there's more and more critters coming out and when it gets cool those critters looking for a place to get warm and so what do they do they try to sneak into your house somehow some way and that's kind of creepy to think about but it is a factor in life and so that is what breda pest management steps to the plate to do they protect you from termites they protect those invading uh pests that try to sneak into that uh I don't know, uh, crawl space or uh, attic or whatever else on that. They are just all about doing all of that for you. Uh, They want to take good care of it because they've been taking care of folks in the Atlanta area and across the state of Georgia since 1975. They got 125 folks working hard to make sure you are well protected at your home from termites, which is a big issue in Georgia and any other kind of critter invasion or anything like that. So very easy to get started with them. Simply reach out, BredaPest.com. That's B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com, uh, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. Good, good friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily and a great asset for you with your own home there as well. All right, we've got Mike Griffith coming up in just a moment. Before that, I want to go around the doghouse today. And I want to go back in time here just slightly to something uh, – that happened late on yesterday's show. We had a very good show yesterday, and late on the program yesterday, former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray joined. I'll invite you to do one of two things. Either check out the full edition of yesterday's show because it's worth your time. We also have the Aaron Murray interview kind of exclusively linked to our Dog Nation YouTube page there as well, and you can check that out there on that because Murray had a lot of cool things to say. He's right there at the center of all of the NIL stuff that's going on, obviously working with the Players' Lounge that's getting a lot of Georgia players played and giving a lot of fans kind of a cool opportunity there as well so murray's deep in the midst of all of that but he also had a lot to say about his own position yesterday at the quarterback spot and there is one guy in particular in addition to being well documented as a big fan of stetson bennett so he's called bennett like greatest quarterback in georgia history because he won a national championship even though most folks would kind of think of maybe from a, st- a, st- a statistical standpoint murray in that category he has certainly given some love to stetson bennett there in that regard but yesterday on the show also talking about the impression that Carson Beck has made on him after having a chance to see Beck practice a few times over the years. And this got a lot of attention. This was Aaron Murray from yesterday. I've been a big fan of Carson Beck. When you look at, to me, just pure arm talent on the field and ease of throwing the football, the accuracy, uh, he checked off a lot of boxes. I remember watching this, you know, watch him a couple of years ago in practice, like, man, he jumped out to me last year. He jumped out to me. Um, he's someone that needs to take that mental hurdle of being able to mentally get ready for a game, mentally be able to execute all times, because that's what you have to do. You can't have a bad practice. You really can't. You know, if you're going to be trusted and given the keys to the car of a, a, a five-star team, a former national championship football team with all these lofty expectations, you have to bring your A game every single day. So I think for him, that's going to be the key. Can you bring it every single day in spring? Can you do it in fall? And can you do it through the season? But when it comes to intangibles, when it comes to throwing a football, really impressed with him. So I think that's really interesting. I'm going to let you hear more of Aaron Murray in a moment. But beyond the idea of, wow, Carson Beck looks really good when he throws it, Aaron Murray's opinion on something like that really matters because Aaron Murray looked really good when he threw it. Murray was a very prolific quarterback, very explosive offense at UGA. This is a guy who knows the quarterback position. So when he's standing there at practice, which he's had a chance to see a few times, and when he's watching a guy like Carson Beck throw the football, Murray's opinion on that's going to matter to me. And you hear Murray give praise to to back but as we told you the other day the truth is always a combination of things you want to hear and maybe things that you don't want to hear and you go a little further with murray on this of and now can you show it on every rep can you 
can you avoid ever having a bad practice? Not to say that anyone can be perfect, but perfection is the standard when it comes to how you have to handle the quarterback position because it's the kind of position where you have to eliminate you know, the most likely errors that, that, that can happen, which means showing up every day and being that guy. That's how you earn the trust to be put on the field, and we're kind of left to believe after Georgia maybe also liking some things about Beck a year ago that when Georgia needed somebody else to play – it, the the you know the program led by Todd Munkin Kirby Smart the head coach just felt more comfortable playing someone who had played before Stetson Bennett whatever concerns may have led Georgia to do that a year ago can those concerns be alleviated by the way in which Beck is practicing right now I, I think that's kind of fair to ask and fair to wonder but it's not not easy to ignore the fact that when Aaron Murray says when I see Carson back boy I like the way that he throws the football that that matters because of who it is that's saying that and Aaron Murray said that on our show yesterday as far as Murray's other evaluation of the non Stetson Bennett quarterbacks Murray talked about that a little more too on yesterday's program while also circling back to Carson Beck before it's all said and done this is the former Georgia quarterback again you know Brock Vandegrift I know he's a talented kid big kid actually was pretty impressed with how he was throwing the football um last week I wanted to go watch their, their, their practice last Saturday uh, he's someone I think is talented, um, had some stuff I felt like he needed to tweak when it came to his arm motion. He looked like he worked on some of his fundamentals, uh, really like you know, what he brings from an athlete standpoint. Obviously, he just needs to continue to get reps. He's a young kid. Uh, Gunner, um, just learn, man. That's my recommendation. Yeah. I, 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 hopefully, I get to go watch practice on Thursday or Saturday and really kind of watch him a little bit more. But right now, you have an opportunity to learn from, from a, a, a hard-nosed competitor a tremendous leader in Stetson Beck. I think he could benefit from that. But, you know, if, if, if I'm the coaching staff right now, and I know Stetson is my number one, I'm making sure I'm doing everything I can to make sure Carson Beck is ready to go. I just think when it comes to, like I said, talent, I, I think Carson's the – I think he's the most gifted thrower on that roster. I do. And I think if he can mentally get going, I think he can be pretty darn good here in the next year or two. That's really interesting. Really interesting that – Murray, who has seen practice for now, and I don't think I'm putting words in his mouth when I say this, is taking back over Vandegrift. That's a guy who knows the quarterback position, has seen practice saying, I like what I'm seeing from Brock Vandegrift, but boy, I really like what I'm seeing from from Carson Beck. I think that's fairly, you know, clearly what what Murray is saying and all that. Also, and he said a lot of the other things about Stetson Bennett yesterday, and I didn't play that clip for me. I'm just kind of focusing on this because what he said about Beck kind of got the most attention. But you hear him say, hey, Stetson Bennett's your number one quarterback. That's Murray saying that in his mind. Once again, a guy who's been at Georgia practice. That's your number one quarterback. But can you also get Carson Beck ready to play? Can this be a guy that you trust to give some playing time to this year with the idea of, you know, maybe that is your starter in 2023. That maybe in the mind of uh, of a guy like Murray, Beck is ahead of Vandergrift in that battle to be the starter here next season. I think there's obviously still a lot to do on this, and I think it's all pretty fascinating. But as we said before, a guy like Murray who has the credentials that he has and has the access that he has had, getting a chance to see practice as a, as, as a former player here, uh, that praise for Carson Beck probably matters i don't think it really comes at the expense of stetson bennett but based on what mike griffith has reported some of those practice reps have come at the expense of bennett is this simply a matter of seeing what you have in guys like beck and vandegriff or is there more to it than that uh i think that's all uh, really fascinating in fact why don't we keep this conversation going here on dog nation daily presented by braided pass management uh with a chance to talk to mike griffith more about this he has had some reporting on that and it's obviously one of the hot topics as georgia gets ready for uh, g day coming up on april 16th what is going on with the quarterback spot so let's keep it going a lot of what aaron murray said there with mike griffith here today on dog nation daily presented by braided pass management From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Great to have Mike Griffith on the program. He's had some interesting reporting on this over the course of the last few days involving what's happening at the Georgia quarterback spot. And what's, at least to my eyes, a little bit unorthodox, uh, but 
probably for a good cause to find out what you got in these other guys more practice reps for guys like Carson Beck and Brock Vandergrift which means a little less for Stetson Bennett which ironically kind of puts him in the same spot he's been the last two years for uh Georgia not not practicing very much uh, at least recently according to reports Mike's uh as the number one quarterback uh Mike what do you make of all of this and what's going on there at that quarterback spot here right now well, I think some of it's self-inflicted from Bennett. I mean, you heard last week Kirby Smart challenged Stetson to go to class more, not to make boneheaded decisions on the field, boneheaded being his choice of words. Kirby used that word more than once for Stetson. I, I, I don't understand why. He can't just say, say make better decisions, but he chooses to use that derogatory term and says that he needs to uh, do the right things, which is a very curious Descriptive. So there's obviously something going on between Kirby Smart and Stetson Bennett based on what Kirby Smart has said, based on Stetson saying there were some closed-door meetings with Kirby telling him some things he liked and some things he didn't. So this isn't media-driven. This isn't fan-driven. This is, you know, nobody's doing any hate. And this is the head coach saying these things publicly and Stetson saying things publicly. And it's not the narrative any of us want. You want happy 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 Stetson's the man number one storybook continues but that's not where we're getting so where does it leave us well I think Kirby kills two birds with one stone he sends a message to Stetson like look I'm not afraid to put somebody else in there and oh by the way spring is supposed to be a time where guys compete anyway but to your point you said it best all we heard was how great it's going to be that Stetson's going to have all spring to get all these reps and grow in different ways that he hasn't been allowed to grow before because he was number three or number four. And yet, like you just pointed out, Brandon, we're right back to him not getting the reps. So to me, it's curious. To me, it's a, a team issue that Kirby has chosen to publicly work through. We know that Kirby, like most all these other coaches, can hide things. We don't. We did not have to know all this. Kirby did not have to put Stetson Bennett on blast in the media. The head coach chose to do that. So that's why we're talking about it today. So let me play devil's advocate here for a moment, and I'm going to start off being a fan on this. I like Stetson Bennett. I really really enjoyed what he did for UGA last year and yet simultaneous to that I wanted a quarterback competition here this spring because I felt like guys like Brock Vandegrift and Carson Beck the ones who've been here now for a little while in the case of uh, Beck he's going into his third year I just simply thought they deserved a chance to show what they're all about and listen I say that as a person who will have reverence for Stetson Bennett forever and as a person who believes he's probably pretty hard to beat out at, at the quarterback spot here this year just given the fact that he's got so much experience and I really thought he had a pretty good year a year ago and yet I still wanted Beck and Vandergrift to get their look why can't this just be about wanting to find out what you have in Beck and Vandergrift and not wanting Beck to go three years without getting a chance to really show it Vandegrift getting a chance to show what it's all about it seems like it's kind of conventional wisdom that you might lose one of them so why not find out what you have in one of them before you lose one of them well you found it out last spring when Beck beat Bennett out he was the number two clear cut look at the stats from the G-Day game and Stetson went to Kirby complained and you know and all of a sudden Beck wasn't the number two so Beck beat him out once before and it didn't matter because Kirby wanted Stetson on the field. And Kirby wants Stetson to be the guy next year, too, or I don't think he'd come back. And Todd Munkin has said that Stetson's going to be the guy. But, Brandon, as Kirby pointed out, it's about more than just being the most experienced guy. It's about going, being a team leader. It's about doing the right things. And Kirby's telling us that Stetson's not doing those things to his satisfaction. His quote was, we continue to challenge him to do those things. That's what Kirby said. And you, he never said those things about Jake Fromm. He never said those things about JT Daniels. So clearly Stetson, even as a 24-year-old, six-year senior, has areas that the head coach has told us publicly he wants him to grow. 
So if Stetson doesn't meet those standards, then I think Kirby could be influenced to maybe playing another quarterback. As Todd Munkin had prescribed after last spring, I mean, Stetson went to Kirby because Beck was the two and Stetson didn't feel like he was getting enough reps as the three. So Kirby rectified it. Beck was still the number two the week of the UAB game, but he had a bad practice and Stetson cashed in with an incredible performance, throwing five touchdown passes in the first half and winning some trust from the coach. And as you pointed out, leading the team to the championship, proving reliable, safe, and an offense that Kirby felt suited his abilities. Um, but things can change quickly, and Kirby Smart's not a guy who's going to lower the lower the bar or lower the standard uh, for anyone. Clearly, not even Stetson Bennett. I think that's the message here. And I'm with you, though. Uh, you got to give Beck and Vandergriff a chance, but you also have to be fair and say, well, if I give them a chance and they're better, you're going to play them. What if Brock Vandergriff's better? What if Carson Beck's better? And how much better do you have to be to cancel out that advantage that Stetson has with the experience that you pointed out? Well, and that's what I think is interesting about, like, say, Carson right now, because that's the guy that uh, Aaron Murray talked a lot about yesterday is, I mean, it's one thing for Georgia or anybody to look at Carson and like the way that he throws it, but say a year ago, not knowing how long JT Downs might be injured of, okay, do we really want to play this guy right now? Is he practicing consistently well enough that we feel like we really trust him to be on the football field it's one thing to say that then and maybe that was a a reasonable conclusion that could have been drawn but now it's a year later now Carson Beck presumably is a year more mature on that and so I just think it stands to reason that he's likely more ready to play right now with all the things that are required from a quarterback than uh than he maybe would have been last year I mean to me there are sort of several questions that can be asked in isolation here, regardless of whatever Stetson Bennett is. Is Carson Beck now a player that you trust to put on the field and play? Is is is, he, is this a player that is much like they would have said about Stetson Bennett in the South Carolina game a year ago? Is this a guy who is practicing well enough that he deserves the chance to play some? It doesn't have to be in my mind. Uh, hey, he's overtaken Stetson Bennett for the quarterback job. I don't think you could do that over the course of one spring practice. Almost anybody could. But could you earn yourself enough, either Beck or Vandergrift, but in this case we're talking about Beck, could you earn yourself enough to get a longer look as you head towards the summer and maybe a longer look as you head towards the start of the season? I mean, to me, that's what could be at stake for one of these two quarterbacks here this spring. Do you agree with that? Sure. I think we've said from the start there'd be a race for number two, and we felt like number three would lead. That may or may not be true. I don't know. Maybe number three stays because there's been a lot of transfer portal quarterback action already, and I don't know where you really go. The devil you know versus the devil you don't know. I mean, uh, who's ready for another starting I mean, you see as JT Daniels sits in the portal, he's being very meticulous with his decision-making. Where is he guaranteed a spot? You know, that's, that's, that's hard to know. Some teams are still in the midst of, spring drills and maybe haven't decided if they want to transfer or not. Uh, Notre Dame, for example. So I, I think that it's, it's intriguing. It's a, it's a new world. There's some new complexities to this with the portal and with NIL, I might add. Um, you know, Aaron Murray now is involved in, you know, somewhere in that collective game. I, you know, he, he may have a stake in this. I don't know. I know that Aaron also said a couple of years ago, uh, when he watched a scrimmage with Jamie Newman and JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett that he thought Carson Beck was the most talented player out there. And then he went back and deleted his tweet. So I, 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 I don't know what to think here. And I don't know what body of work that he's basing it off of because I've heard that there's been some inconsistencies in Carson's game to this point, um, even now. I thought he looked good at pro day. What I was able to observe, he clearly has a, uh, an electric arm. Uh, you can tell that he's gotten thicker and more athletic. I think that was a concern a couple of years ago was that he needed to grow into his frame a bit. Kirby's not going to put a guy out there that, that isn't ready. We saw that Tennessee quarterback uh, a couple of years ago get destroyed by Eric Stokes. I don't think he's come back from it yet, frankly. I don't know where he's at now. Um, so you can put those guys out there too soon. But uh, as far as Carson goes, uh, you know, the limited information that I have and what I've seen is this is a guy with a very high upside, um, but still probably some inconsistencies. I think Stetson is still the best choice. 
I think he's still the safest choice, um, provided that he is meeting the off-the-field requirements. Kirby is not going to waiver. He, the fact that he called him for, out for not going to class, Brandon, you got to admit, I mean, have you ever heard anything like that for a quarterback that won a title at this stature of his career? But to be fair, he says he needs to – Like, I mean – the, the the exact text of what Smart said was he he's not going like he didn't say he's not going to class he says hey I mean I guess what I'm saying is I think I didn't think what Smart said about Bennett the other day was necessarily all that different than he says about anybody else I mean like you understand what I'm saying I mean I, I didn't think that Smart's words about Bennett the other day were necessarily that wildly different than what he says about anybody else at, at any point in time when he just kind of doesn't want to play along with whatever the media narrative might be in a given moment well, I would agree, but there was no narrative. He he offered that up without being asked, and he specifically used Stetson as a guy that they wanted to challenge to do better. Do better with going. I mean, it, it, I mean, I guess my point is he's darn near thirty years old. Like, what kind of class is he even going to? He's, well, he's, I don't know. Does he even have a degree yet? He's in his sixth year at Georgia. I don't know that he's got a degree. But 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 the point is, the point is this: whatever the details of it are. And they're so abstract to your point. We don't know. Did he miss one class? Did he miss three? Is it five? Is he failing two classes? We don't know the extent of it. What we do know is that Kirby chose to put him on blast. He specifically chose to put Stetson Bennett under public scrutiny. I don't, the motives, we don't know. He's the head coach. He didn't publicly choose to put anybody else. Nobody asked, hey, how's Stetson doing with class? That didn't. That wasn't the question. He just threw it out there because that's what Kirby does. Now he he does that with players he really likes. I mean, he, he used to put Richard LeCount on blast a lot for you know uh, you know we, remember we were watching the imaginary G Day game the COVID year and they go to Kirby for observation. I what I think they were replaying the Notre Dame game. Yeah, right? yeah. And and for some reason Kirby just goes, well, there's a play right there. Richard lost his man and gave up a touchdown. I'm going, wait a minute, this is supposed to be a happy day. And somehow you fit in. So it's not unprecedented for Kirby to go after the guys that he thinks the most of. He, he, he'll do that. If he loves you and he thinks you're great, he'll put you on blast like that. That's just, it's just a, a coaching technique. But I thought it was extreme. And at the time I just thought, okay, he's going to rattle Seth's cage here to get his attention. But then the next thing you know, the next practice come Thursday and and Saturday, you're finding out Bennett's not necessarily getting the one reps with the ones, and you're finding out that Beck and Vandergriff, from what I'm hearing, both are having good moments in practice. And now here we are, we're letting our imagination wander a little bit. Could we be looking at a Georgia team with a different starting quarterback? Personally, I don't think so. I think Stett will come around and meet whatever standard Kirby puts in front of him but I think it's twofold once again he sends the message to Stett and he gives Vandergriff and Beck an opportunity to get valuable reps and as you pointed out prove himself all right let me shift gears here do a couple other things here for a moment while I have you and I don't want to take up too much of your time one of the things I've talked about this week is when you go back and look at what led to Georgia's national championship a year ago it was individual players who raised their level of play guys who were not necessarily on the radar to be very high draft picks maybe a year ago certainly have put themselves in a very rarefied air of NFL draft conversation right now and if Georgia's going to be once again a national championship contender for the upcoming season I believe the same thing's got to be true again guys have got to really step up on an individual basis Mike when you kind of scan this roster you had a chance to watch a lot of practice the other day and you've obviously been close to the situation in Athens here throughout the spring like who are the guys that you think on this roster right now are most at the forefront of maybe being able to take that big step forward and kind of become something close to household names the way that guys like Devontae White and Quay Walker and others probably would have done maybe a year or so ago. I think A.D. Mitchell's one of them. You know, I think A.D. is a guy that, you know, flashed, obviously made the tremendous catch in the national championship game. But, you know, to be the X, to be that threat, to make that safety think twice, to make those defenses play cover two, I think A.D. Mitchell needs to continue to evolve. I think a healthy return of Dominic Blaylock and Kiers Jackson could go a long way. Those were a couple veterans. Certainly Blaylock was out, but Kiers, I don't think, was ever really himself. You remember that's first year as the starter. He was kind of the go-to guy. 
for Stetson, and then JT came in and Pickens came to life. But but Kyrus was Stetson's guy coming out of the slot because of those shorter routes. I think he's going to be really important. In fact, he's my sneaky pick to lead the team in targets. How about that? Even though Brock Bowers is phenomenal, I think teams are going to be like, okay, let's spend a little time watching films this offseason because this guy killed us last year. I don't think Brock, Brock Bowers is going to have as many catches and as many yards next year as he did this past season. I think a lot of that was the byproduct of receivers being injured and the game plan and how teams played Georgia. A lot of Todd Munkin's offense, really most all of it, is predicated on how the defense plays you and taking what they give you with the correct read at the line of scrimmage and the value that Stetson's experience gives him. He's a guy that's going to make the read at the line of scrimmage and usually the right read. And that's really key because you got to find the open guy and you got to be able to read the defense. I mean, other than Alabama, you know, they had his head spinning a little bit and he threw some of those passes over the matter in the SEC title game. But other than Bama, nobody, you know, Stetson did a really nice job of making those reads. So I think Kyrus, I think A.D. Mitchell, you know, uh, Lad McConkey, you know, receiving court in general needs to get better. Last year, start of the year, a lot of rookies and a lot of banged up guys. All right. And that's why Brock Bowers thrives. This year, I think, as a whole, I think the running backs. You know, I, I think Kenny McIntosh and uh, Kendall Milton. I mean, these, this is your new thunder and lightning. This is, to me, this is the, this is your Chubb Michelle, right? These are guys, these are bigger backs. I think Kenny's got great vision and cutback ability. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. Uh, we saw that as he was clutch in the Cincinnati game on the final drive. Um, had uh, the longest runs in a couple of the games last year. He's been the most explosive runner based on the number of carries. I think he led the SEC uh, at one point in yards after contact. Um, and then Kendall Milton, I think, has a lot of ceiling. He's been slowed by injuries each of the last two years. I think Centel's pointed out that, you know, uh, has used that old quote, uh, the best ability is availability. Kendall's got to show us that he can take that workload and that physicality. But there's been some runs, Brandon, you know, where he just, you know, that run he had against Tennessee where he broke eight tackles. I know you know which one I'm talking sure. about. Just, I can't get it out of my mind. I mean, the guy can be just a force. So I think both of those guys, because I think the run game needs to come to fruition. And I'm staying on offense here that, that, because I think the offense is going to have to do more. Listen, Zion Logue, Jamon Dumas Johnson, you know, these guys are important, obviously. Whoever lines up opposite of Keely Ringo needs to get better. He'll tell you his coverage wasn't great. Made an oil painting moment. Had a really bad game before that, right? Can Kamari Lasseter on the other side? These are some of the names. And the, what's the incoming punter? Thorsten, I think. I mean, you had a tremendous weapon and advantage in Kamarda that flipped field position. So many hidden yards. Didn't talk nearly enough about that. Going to be important. So I think you bring up a great point that last year's team really thrived because of guys like Devontae Wyatt, Lewis Seen. Uh, Channing Tindall, uh, these are guys, uh, you know, I thought James Cook even grew even more. Uh, Justin Schaefer, uh, guys that expanded their roles, improved their abilities. But finally, leadership. And it kind of brings us back full circle here. I think part of the reason that Kirby's leading on Stetson is he knows there's a leadership void. And he needs Stet to set that example and be that leader. Just like he needs Chris Smith to be that leader on defense and he needs uh you know uh, Jalen Carter to evolve as a third-year player into more of a leader right because like you said roles need to be filled and a lot of leadership is going out the door Mike interesting stuff thanks for being here on our program today we'll look forward to reading a lot more from you coming up at uh, dognation.com the days to come and uh, a chance to chat with you as we get closer and closer to g-day with each passing day. Uh, thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Braid to Pass Management, and we'll uh, look forward to doing it again very soon. Appreciate your insights, BA. Thanks. Good stuff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Let me just say this really quickly about the quarterback thing, and then uh, we'll move on and look at a couple different things here for a moment. I mean, right now, at least based on what Mike has reported, in terms of the actual goings-on of spring practice, that things are kind of playing out the way that I wanted them to. I mean, i really happy that Stetson Bennett came back. I loved Stetson Bennett for Georgia a year ago. I thought he actually had a pretty good season 2020 there as well. I think Stetson Bennett's played pretty well for Georgia when he's gotten a chance to play. 
and I also wanted to see what Georgia had with the other guys there too. I, I mean, remember we did topics on this. Remember we we did this on a show, you know, back in February of, you know, would would Stetson get something less than the JT Daniels treatment of a year ago, where Daniels was kind of unquestionably named as the starting quarterback there on uh, all of that and kind of treated that way and. Uh, that was kind of atypical for, atypical for Kirby Smart and sort of thought that this is one of those years where maybe giving Bennett that level of treatment probably did not quite make uh, quite so much sense. And I say that as someone who both enjoys cheering for Bennett but also has really been pretty impressed with what I've seen from Bennett. But to repeat myself again on something I've said before, the truth is always a mixture of things you want to be true and things you kind of don't necessarily uh, you know, like the fact that they are true. And I, I would say that the truth of Stetson Bennett is – while he emerged as the starting quarterback for Georgia last season and was a key contributor towards a national championship, given the chance to remove all doubt and discussion of who should be Georgia's quarterback, it's probably fair to say that Bennett stopped short of doing that. And when you think about moving into a new season, no longer competing with JT Daniels, who's, I guess, still waiting on his uh, next college uh, destination, but now competing with with Beck and Vandegrift, that Bennett is in my mind the starter. He is in my mind the number one quarterback. But I don't quite think that Bennett played well enough last year that there should be no debate, no discussion whatsoever. I don't think that's the case. And listen, you know, I'm not going to get too much into what Smart said about Bennett the other day. I think Mike and I have a little bit of a difference opinion on that. I just don't, I'm not, that doesn't strike me as all that volatile it's just kind of the way the Kirby Smart talks at least in my mind so I don't make much out of that but but the idea that Bennett played in such a way last year to be Georgia's starting quarterback to start this year as the starting quarterback but to have the door somewhat open for someone else to have a chance to impress based on what I've seen unfold here that's the scenario that kind of makes some sense and maybe that's happening I mean I would love eventually to get some clarity are Beck and Vandergriff competing with each other to be number two or competing with Bennett to maybe eventually be number one? I'd like, I'd like to hear more on, on that topic if there's a, a chance for some candor on the part of Smart or maybe eventually uh, Todd Munkin. But for now, you know, the idea that Bennett's played well enough to be the guy that we think of as a starter, but not quite well enough to have completely removed all doubt on that. I don't know. That's what my eyes are telling me probably should be true. Anyway, let's transition now. Cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I'm going to say this quick because I've told you this a million times. Independence of the Seas is going to be a blast. We're leaving on April 25th. We're going to Nassau in the Bahamas. We're going to Perfect Day Coco Cay. We'll be just on the other side of G-Day, so we'll be able to kick back and relax and talk about what we saw then. We'll also be watching the NFL draft that not Thursday night from the ship. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, our buddy Mike's going to be there. Griff, Mike Griffith, I'm going to be there. Jeff Centel's going to be there. It's going to be a great time, but we want you to be there. And you got to go fast if you want to get there. Dognation.com, top of the page. You can click the link, or you can go to uh, dognationcruise.com and book your travel while there's still time to leave out of Port Canaveral, to be on Independence of the Seas, going on uh, 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 like I said, Independence of the Seas, to Nassau and Perfect Day Coco Okay. Wonderful, wonderful cruise around the Bahamas. Wonderful four-night uh, vacation. It's going to be a great time, and we want you to be a part of it. All right, let's uh, go cruise around the SEC now. I want to look at the R.J. Young preseason top 25 a little bit more because I did mention that off the uh, top of the program here a moment ago. And so if you look at his top 10, actually, if you look at his top four, he's got Bama 1, he's got A&M 2, Ohio State 3, Georgia 4. So three of the top four SEC teams. Then you got Baylor, Arkansas is now t- in the top six. Uh, Notre Dame's at seven. Utah is eight. Uh, Ole Miss is nine. Michigan State's ten. So three quarters of the top four, half the top ten are all SEC teams. I said this yesterday. And I just think that the narrative that Georgia fans ought to be working very hard to push because, A, it's true, and, B, it benefits the Bulldogs. We are in a day and age where the onus – the burden of proof is on the non-SEC guy right now. And this is one of those things where I think sometimes in this region we kind of tread lightly on because to to say no one else plays the same level of the SEC, there's almost a thought that you know very educated, analytically-minded people, they roll their eyes on that. And that's the kind of thing that a lot of people use to kind of put the SEC down. Ah, oh, these redneck fans, they think nobody outside the SEC plays college football. Have you looked around the current landscape of college football as of late? 
Does anybody else play college football anywhere near the same level as the SEC does? And when you're thinking about how you're going to evaluate a, a Georgia and Alabama or a Texas A&M for the upcoming playoff debate, shouldn't that have to be a discussion? And to me, this is the dog that's never barking. In any of these kinds of like, you know, uh, top 25 reveal shows that come out each week with the selection committee or the way in which like ESPN that controls a lot of this, the way they talk about this each week on college game day, Nobody ever just comes right out and says what's obviously true, which is that Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, Pac-12 are vastly inferior to the SEC, vastly inferior. So that means that not only is the SEC champion better than the other conference champions, but the SEC runner-up and very likely the third best SEC team is also um, a lot better than most of the other teams there as well. Like Orange Bowl last year will stick in my mind forever because – there's a certain smart guy line of thought that, hey, I know these SEC folks think that nobody else plays football than them, but Michigan's about to show you a thing or two. Aiden Hutchinson and David Jabu or whoever else, they're going to come down here and show you something. Well, they didn't show me anything. The same way that Notre Dame didn't show me anything in a couple of playoff berths either. You know, because going into those playoffs for Notre Dame, of like, hey, these SEC folks think uh, nobody plays football, but uh, Notre Dame's quietly pretty good. And from time to time, even I've kind of bought into that line of thinking because you want to feel smart and that's the kind of thing that smart people kind of say but smart people have continually been wrong on this topic over and over and over again michigan wasn't playoff worthy a year ago the two notre dame teams that have made the playoff they weren't playoff worthy oklahoma coming out of the big 12 how many shots could you have given a lincoln riley coached oklahoma team against an sec foe before they'd have finally won they came close against georgia got blown out completely against the likes of alabama and lsu at a certain point in time this preponderance of evidence has to matter and I do get frustrated in the way in which the playoff conversation ha- you know, takes place where people seem to ignore that. If we're going to talk about who the best four are or eventually in kind of an expanded playoff format, who the best of 12 are, paying full due diligence respect to how much better the SEC is than every other league, I think that's got to be a big part of uh, that discussion. Uh, real quick here. So are Brenton Cox, still at Florida, by the way. Some of these guys, it just feels like they've been around forever. I mean, Brenton Cox was in Justin Fields' signing class. Fields is going into how many years has he been in the NFL already? Or legally, you know, it's, I guess it seems like more than it has been. Uh, but Brenton Cox still to Florida, setting his sights on Alex Brown's single-season record for most sacks. So uh, Cox is still uh, down in Gainesville talking a big game, and uh, we'll see if this new defensive staff, I know that uh, Brenton dealt with some injury stuff, but we'll see if this new Florida defensive coaching staff can get a little more out of him as he's still down there in the game uh, with the Gators doing his thing. And then I also saw this. And I think it's interesting that these two storylines are happening at the same time. So Joey Gatewood, back working with Gus Malzahn again, uh, former Auburn quarterback, former uh, Kentucky quarterback, but no longer a quarterback. He is he's both a former Wildcat and Tiger, but now transitioning to the wide receiver position there at Auburn. And listen, Gatewood's a really good athlete. I can see him potentially doing really well with that. But it also kind of reminds you of a couple of years ago when Bo Nix first arrived at Auburn and when Auburn, when they were going through the quarterback competition at the time, you had four different uh, quarterbacks. Court Sandberg was like the one dude, and uh, Gatewood was there, Bo Nix was there, and the other guy was Malik Willis. And by the end of the spring, uh, Auburn had really kind of whittled that quarterback competition down to just Gatewood and, and Bo Nix, essentially freeing Malik Willis to transfer to somewhere else. Well, lo and behold, a couple of years later, Willis is on the verge of being a first-round pick in the NFL draft and really kind of getting a lot of love from a lot of those draft analysts and now Gatewood switching positions. And listen, there were some people at the time. You know, uh, Willis went to Roswell High School, and so a lot of Atlanta-area folks knew him, and there were a lot of Auburn fans that kind of thought he had something interesting to bring to the table, and yet he really ultimately ended up showing that working with Hugh Free. So we're in a day and age right now where these quarterback competitions, for the most part, dominate spring practice, whether it be a Georgia situation where a couple of guys are trying to get themselves a little extra attention or in other schools around the SEC where there's an outright hand-to-hand combat going on to see the starting quarterback is going to be. The Auburn situation a couple of years ago kind of shows you that, you know, sometimes the loser of the competition is not necessarily the odd man out when it comes to future success, including a guy like Malik Willis who left Auburn, went to Liberty, and now is on his way to um, to being a first-round pick where one of the guys that was ahead of him on that depth chart at the time, Joey Gatewood, is now considered a wide receiver by the coach who initially made that decision. So just something to kind of file away. We'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now let me do uh, this with you here just for a moment. 
told you about this yesterday, a really exciting opportunity for those here in our state who love the University of Georgia and want to show support to UGA because of the ways in which Georgia both makes the world a better place and our state a better place by educating the next generation of Georgians and really doing the kind of research that really becomes landmark in some of the great discoveries that lie at the forefront of you know future horizons and that's what uga is kind of all about and so many of us take such great pride in what the university of georgia means to so many people and this is the week we get a chance to show what that's all about we can join with thousands of other uh stakeholders in uga uga alumni and everything else and be a part of the day of giving it's a 24-hour day of giving where folks are going to get involved um, make a donation to the university of georgia support the alumni association and the great work that gets done to to support this great institution in our states let me give you the website to go to here on this it's gail.uga.edu let me give that to you again because it's a little different than you might expect it's gail.uga.edu the big 24-hour day of giving comes up on thursday we're doing our part to make you aware of that if you go to dognation.com there's actually a link you can click there as well and learn more about this but a lot going on with the big 24-hour day of giving to support the uga alumni association coming up on thursday one more time that website gail.uga.edu and of course i'll also wrap up today by reminding you of my friends at the finish long drink you know go to longdrink.com and you can enjoy all the different varieties of the long drink there are four different varieties there's traditional in the blue can that's a gin kick grapefruit flavor long drink cranberry same kind of deal with the cranberry flavor a lot of folks love that Long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar. Long drink strong, eight and a half percent alcohol by volume. Really cool story and a great flavor. It's a ready to drink cocktail that comes in a can. It's a kind of a new category of beverage for those of you who like mixed drinks. Here's a mixed drink you don't have to mix yourself. You can just enjoy it, whether it's a beverage store or a bar near you or maybe a golf course. I see it at golf courses all the time. Go to thelongdrink.com. You can find out more about that. That is thelongdrink.com, and you can find out more and uh, check that out today. All right, let's uh, show off our uh, golden shoe here for a moment. A uh, very funny winner today. I'll uh, give this to you on the screen. You get a chance to see that. All right, there we go. So uh, <laughs> this is very funny. Uh, uh, jo- uh, Jonah 2000 shared this on Twitter, going back to uh, Aaron Murray yesterday. It's the popular meme of the guy looking at the other girl instead of his girlfriend, except in this particular case, it's Aaron Murray looking at Carson Beck, no longer looking at Setson Bennett. That's a very funny uh, uh, image there and kind of a funny, I guess, meme about that. But the truth is, is that Aaron said plenty of great things about Stetson Bennett yesterday, and it said plenty of great things about Bennett over the years. I don't think Murray necessarily questions Bennett a starter, but you heard him pretty clearly yesterday say some very strong things about Carson Beck, which certainly got the attention of a lot of folks in our audience. So uh, pretty funny there from uh, Jonah to kind of represent that in meme form. Mentioned the lousy, stinking Gators a moment ago. Let's remind you, a good Georgia fan is a Gator hater first and foremost. And it's been 4,829 days since those lousy, stinking Gators have won a national championship. And more bad news for them, 213 days from right now, Georgia's back in Jacksonville for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, beating up on the Gators again. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Of course, you can uh, uh, send your comments here to be a part of the Cool Down at Dog Nation Daily on Twitter or in the comments section at DogNation.com. Of course, big thanks to R.S. Andrews for making it all possible. When you turn to for your air conditioning, your heating, your plumbing, your electric needs. So a couple of things to clean up from the video comment section. We're talking like some old time wrestling on there. And I was talking about how, you know, growing up kid in the 80s, you know, like the WWF had all like the very glossy, high production value TV stuff. But as a kid down south, I liked all the southern territories better. And I mentioned like the stuff that was on Memphis that used to kind of air on with Joe Petticino on Saturday nights and like uh, obviously TBS at 605. And I mentioned like Continental Championship Wrestling from coming out of Alabama. Our buddy Jermaine King sent me some YouTube stuff of some great Continental Championship Wrestling action, which I think is really cool. And also in talking about the TBS 605 that was known as the as the NWA, which stood for National Wrestling Alliance. And one of our uh, commenters was like, he will take the NWA hip hop group over the NWA wrestling group. And I was kind of joking that I know a lot more about the wrestling group than I do the, or the wrestling organization than I do the hip-hop group. 
And I tried, somebody asked me if I could name the members of NWA. And I knew for a fact that Ice Cube was one. And I made a bad error. I said, uh, it's easy E, right? But I said Flavor Flav, which I, I listen, I don't pretend to be a hip hop expert, not even close to it, but I did at least know that. I just stumbled over my own words. So I'm getting roasted on the video side for not getting that correct. Uh, but I just wanted to kind of at least clear that up as a part of the podcast that, um, <laughs> that i'm i'm dumb but i'm not not stupid i uh didn't mean to say that uh but anyway uh uh davis mccollum weighs in about tiger woods being in augusta yeah he's he's got some photographic evidence of him uh right now which is kind of a cool thing to even have some photos of that that's kind of a cool thing to be able to see and uh, also uh sharing uh a really cool photo of uh of the great one uh, mr palmer himself arnold palmer arriving at augusta national in a good-looking uh, red Cadillac. That's actually a really cool thing. Uh, a lot of other comments kind of rolling in here there as well. A lot of folks continue to really react to some of the stuff that Aaron Murray uh, said a year ago, which or I should say said uh, on yesterday's show, and really kind of now for a while involving uh, you know his belief that Carson Beck really throws it well. That's a that's a opinion that he shared now for a while, and that's kind of been there on that. So uh, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, other comments kind of continue to roll through here too on twitter uh fantastic six ways in to say i think a lot of people have forgotten about dominic blaylock let's not forget his freshman year and how bright his future looked before injuries and i think that's true first of all i think the update you're getting on blaylock's health right now is really a very positive one it sounds like uh dom's having a pretty good spring practice of uh, the best that we can possibly tell on that and prior to the injury setbacks that blaylock has had as a freshman in 2019 he was a very good player for Georgia. So important part of this upcoming team for this upcoming year. Yeah, I think that Dominic Blaylock is definitely one to watch for on that. Fantastic six. That's a great comment. Thanks to all of you for being here for RS Andrews cool down today. If your water heater goes out, don't forget many cases RS Andrews can replace it for you the same day. When we say they do plumbing stuff, that's some of what we're talking about. Heating, air conditioning, plumbing, electric. RS Andrews does it all for you. We will see you tomorrow as well for that podcast cool down and for Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pest Management. We'll look forward to talking to you then.